Good morning. I invite you to come join us in the sanctuary this morning. this morning is from Psalms 100. Shout for the joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.
if you would love to stand and worship along with us, feel free to do so. If sitting is a, what you would like to do, continue to do that. This is a new song. It's a, just a combination of hymns. So that, uh, it might be a little different. Thank you. 
You may be seated. Um, our scripture reading today is from Mark 12, verses 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, the teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is the one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Let's bow our heads and pray for today. Dear God, thank you for today. I just ask that uh, you um, just bless us and... Um, speak through Russell today as he brings forth the sermon. I just pray also for the offering today. May it be for as much as anybody wants to give. Just bless everybody here today. Surround us in your love. You know what's on our hearts. You know that you love us. Again, bless Russell as he speaks to us today. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, worship team. That medley was great. I really like that. Please bow with me now as we uh, pray for the little ones. Dear God, we thank you for the children of our congregation. We thank you for the wonderful noises that we hear. We thank you for the wonderful questions we get. We thank you for the way we can see you at work in them. We pray, put a blessing on them. We pray, Help them to see you in ways that they never thought possible before. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Doodle sheets in the back if you're the sort that need to be doodling on things. Uh, as you have heard, uh, over the last couple weeks, we put out the ask that if anybody wants to share a story about what God has been doing in their lives, then come talk to me and then I'll make sure that you get to share it in the service this morning. And so I'd like to ask Evelyn up. She has a story to share with us about what God has been up to in her life. Well, when Pastor Russell uh, asked for this, then I said, well, I don't know if I have anything to share. But this morning when I woke up, the Lord seemed to say, you have. And uh, when he he's been talking about the Lord God being distant from us, well, this happened quite a long time ago. Uh, the Lord seemed to be telling me to go and speak to somebody about him. And I said, no, Lord, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, it just felt as if Jesus said, okay, have it your way. But then he stepped back, and the peace of the Lord was gone. And I struggled. I wanted that peace, but I didn't want to do that. And finally, after a day or two, I said, okay, Lord, I will. I'll be obedient. And as soon as I said that, that peace came back. So we need to know that sometimes when 
God is distant, maybe we need to go back to where we were disobedient. And then another thing I was going to share, over the last few years, I've prayed the prayer of Jabez a lot, and it says, bless me indeed, and on your, your hand be on me. And I know the Lord is really blessed, but he's also put his finger on things. Things where I thought I thought I had dealt with, and he said, no, this is what you need to deal with now, and let it go. And it just felt as if, when I let it go, it just felt as if it went, went to the edge and dropped off, and I can't remember what it was now. There's quite a number of times he, this came, and I know that if, if I hold unforgiveness in my heart, God steps back. His blessings can't come. And he's taught me this so many times in the last year. You got things from the past that I thought I had dealt with, they would come up again, and I would just have to say, Lord, okay, I have to let them go. And, and I was able to do that. But then his blessings are so, so strong sometimes that I can't go to sleep because his presence is so strong. God has just sent so many blessings. I just thought I'd share that. Thank you very much. If you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to take them on out. And again, I'd like to extend that same offering to all of you. If you have a story about what God has been up to in your life, if you have a story of something he has taught you, then that is the kind of story that is good for the, every believer here. So come talk to me if you want to share it. We'd love to hear it. So, you have your bulletins on you. Then, a couple things that we need to go over. First and foremost, tonight at 7 p.m., there is going to be a bonfire right here behind the church. There is not supposed to be rain, so that will be a wonderful time. Make sure to bring whatever snacks that you find most fulfilling yourself, and then you can share those with everybody. If everyone does it, then we learn a little bit about each other and also have some good food. Make sure to bring lawn chairs as well. And it's going to be a good evening. Tonight, 7 p.m. Going on, prayer meeting is Wednesday at 2 p.m. Next Sunday, worship service. Uh, Lyndon Gunther is going to be doing his uh, summer preaching next Sunday. So make sure to come on out to hear what he has to say. That has become a, a bit of a tradition since I've come here. And I have to say, I quite like it every time. Although in this particular situation, I will be at my parents' place, and so I will get to listen to it after the fact. But I look forward to that. I always look forward to Lyndon speaking. Uh, going on, uh, if you look down, if you are not yet on the church prayer chain, there is a sign up in the back, so make sure you find your way on there. It is a wonderful way that we can hear about the prayer needs of the different people in our congregation. Some of them are wonderfully joyous, and some of them are very pressing concerns at that moment. But one way or the other, to be, it is a great way of being a member of the church. Uh, next, if you have kids' toys for ages 0 to 5, talk to Carrie Sawatsky or bring them in. Uh, right now, we have a good chunk of toys in the nursery, but none really for that age, the, particularly the young, the baby, that age group. And so uh, I'd ask to uh, either bring them in or talk to her, in, even if you have some money to give instead. I'm sure that it would be wonderful to get more toys for kids in that 
age group, especially because we are looking to start a Moms and Tots group come the fall, and it will be wonderful if there is things that we can play with so we don't need to bring in uh, toys just for the kids is all. So that's why. Uh, going on, uh, as I said, if you're interested in sharing, come talk to me. Next, YFC is looking for two volunteers. Uh, talk to Dawson if you are interested in doing that. YFC does a lot of great work in the community, and so that is a fulfilling time to place to, to spend your time. So talk to Dawson if you are interested. Kids Connect will be starting in October. If you are interested in helping out, talk to Christine Murray. Again, Kids Connect, as we saw last year, does wonderful work with the kids in our community. It is a wonderful ministry, so talk to Christine if you are interested. Uh, talk to Christine anyway, just to find out what is going on at Kids Connect. I, I guarantee you, you will love what you hear. Uh, next. Children's church teachers for ages, uh, for three groups uh, looking to start in mid-September. We heard Bethany talk about that uh, last year. Last week, there we go. Last week. Uh, but it is going to be starting up mid-September as we see there. We need some teachers for that. Uh, I would encourage you to talk to her about that as well. See exactly what it is we need. See whether or not that is a place that you can fill. But most of all, pray. Pray whether or not uh, that is something God is leading to you towards, as well as pray that God taps the people on the shoulders who should be taking up those teaching roles. Also, Christian Ed, I would ask that you do the same. That is an important role in our church, and it's very much so looking like going into the new year, it'll be an even more important role as well. And so pray that either God taps you on the shoulder or somebody else, because we could really use a Christian Ed chairperson. And one thing that is not written down on here, uh, the deacons are going to be up at the end of the service today. And so if you have anything that you want prayed for uh, or you need to talk, get something off your chest, they, they are going to be here to listen. They are going to be here to talk to you. And so I'd encourage you to come up if that is a thing that you are feeling you need to do. So deacons here at the end of the service. All right, any more announcements? Oh, family day. Last week, you might remember that I said there was one other thing that has to do with children's ministries that we will find ourselves up to. And what that is going to be is the children's events at the Fall Family Day that is on September 16th. Uh, we get to be in charge of that. So I have been very busily plugging along and figuring out all the different things that will need to be done to make that a wonderful time and to show the kids of our community who we are and what we have going. So if you are interested in helping me out with that, I could use about five volunteers. And it's mostly going to be making sure that not too many kids go on to bouncy castles at a time so it's safe. Uh, we could use some people like that to uh, help moderate that. And also to show the kids around, there's going to be a scavenger hunt that goes through the splash park. Uh, and then also just uh, sit at a little desk to kind of tell everybody that comes what we are up to. 
Uh, if you are interested at all, it's going to go from 10 to 3 on uh, Fall Family Fun Day, September 16th. Come talk to me. I would be interested in talking to you. And let me tell you right now, this is going to be a wonderful way to show the kids of uh, not only our community, but the ones that travel in just kind of who we are and what we're up to in the fall and why they might be interested in learning more. So if you're interested at all, come talk to me. All right. Any more announcements? All right. Then going on to items of prayer. The first is this week, how can we not pray about the wildfires? Uh, as we know, Yellowknife got completely evacuated two days ago, and Kelowna, I believe, is half evacuated at this point. If not, is it fully at this point? I'm not sure. What? Okay. Hmm. Well, that's wonderful that there's still some amount of being saved there, but we, we just want to pray for... These are our fellow Canadians that are going through this, and it seems every year there is more and more of this. We want to pray for them for safety in the evacuations. We want to pray that the wildfires get under control. We want to pray that soon the rains come and we're done this for the year. It has been a terrible summer for wildfires. And... Even here, so far away from it, with the amount of smoke that's been out, and I know a number of us have, that really impacts our quality of life too, it impacts our ability to breathe. So we just want to pray for those affected. And also coming off of everything that happened with Maui and the evacuations and the deaths that happened there, we just want to pray for those affected by wildfires this year. And we want to continue praying for the start of our kids' ministries in the fall. There is so much to be excited about, but also there is a fair chunk left to do. And so we want to pray for that. And so please bow with me now in a word of prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning in prayer. We come before you this morning, first off, always in praise because of what you have done. Every page of your scripture we see about how you love. We see about how you have made this world. We see about how you have cared for us so much that you sent your only son to live and then die and then are raised again even because you love us that much. God, we love you. God, we see the amount that you love us. And God, we pray Help us to be changed by that. Help us to be renewed by that. Help us to be eternally pointed back towards you because of what you have done. But we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the cross. We thank you so much for who you are. And we want to begin our prayer with that. God, when we look across this world that you have made, we also see so many things that are very concerning just now. The wildfires come to our minds. God, we look at Yellowknife being evacuated. We look at Kelowna half evacuated. We look at the fires that have ravaged Maui and the people that have lost their lives there. We see lives being uprooted and in some cases cut short. God. It is pressing on us, and we don't know what to do, and so we turn to you. 
God, we pray, be with those affected. God, we pray, send the rains. God, we pray, stop these fires. God, we know that you can because we have seen you do it countless times before. Our heart goes out, and so we pray, God, act. And we look forward to seeing how you will. And God, for ourselves, while it seems so big that we don't know what to do, we pray, put in front of us, what would he need to do in order to address this going forward? That we pray. And God, we also want to pray for our church come the fall. Once again, there are so many reasons to be excited with what you are doing, so many reasons to be excited with the ways that you are moving in our town and the area around it and the kingdom we can see being built. In particularly, we see all of these kids' ministries and how they are being effective and how they are bringing the good news to new people, new kids that will grow up in you. And so, God, we pray a blessing on them. God, we pray that they will be wonderfully, unbelievably successful in what they set out to do. God, we pray most and foremost that they will always be pointed towards you and always be doing what it is that you need them to do. Lord, we pray tap the people that need to volunteer on the shoulders so that they know that this is where they should be, so that when the time to come to ask comes, that that is nothing but time, nothing but a formality. And Lord, we pray that when we come to a year from now and we are having these conversations again, that we will be able to see once again the wonderful things that you have done the wonderful things that you have taught, the wonderful things, the wonderful truth about who you are. Lord, we look forward to that day. I got all of these things we bring before you today and we place them at your feet. In your name we pray, amen. All right. So, over the past month or so, I think it was going back into June already, over the past two months, three months, we're at the end of, near the end of August. That is just, how does that always happen? But we've been talking about the kind of big reasons why we can feel distant from God. The big main reasons that we can feel that God is not walking alongside us. And we, we all know that feeling when God is seemingly not next to us because it's that dry feeling. It's that ugh feeling. It's that feeling that bleeds into everything. It's the feeling that makes us just go, why? We've seen how of the big things that can cause this, issues around how we understand worship. That's where a lot of this can be found. A lot of this feeling distant from God. Issues that surround us just being so busy that we can't even focus on our Lord one way or the other. Issues that come around our inability to open ourselves up 
to others as God does again and again and again through his word. Issues that come to when we just don't go into our Bibles and so all of the things we assume that we know about God are not actually biblical. And issues that surround following other masters in place of our Lord and not quite catching that that's what we do. We like to think that we are truly unique in this day and age. And truth be told, in a number of ways, we kind of are, but not in these. Not in these core things. These, these issues go back to the beginning of the church itself. These big reasons why we can feel distant from our Lord. But in a way, that's good, because that means that over the history of the church, there have been a number of different things that the church has found work very well to get us headed towards our God again, to get us reconciled, to get us walking in the same direction, following him. We call those spiritual disciplines, if you've ever heard that term before. It's the spiritual disciplines that get us back into alignment if we do them. And we've talked about a number of those after each one of the messages. And today, we are going to be talking about another of the big headings. Only two left, this one, and then two weeks from now, we talk about issues surrounding prayer. But this one, this is one where people in our traditions are like Mennonites, evangelicals, people in the, call them the pietistic traditions in particular, people that really focus on this is how we act as Christians, this is how we make sure that we find ourselves in line with God, this is how, very focused on that. What we're going to talk about today are issues that our traditions, the pietistic traditions, have particularly struggled with, have a particular issue with. And those are issues around how we follow God. We're going to talk about two of the big ones, and both of them kind of stem from the same place, but get there in a different way. And what that is that they stem from is the not understanding or how we can come to not understand why it is that we are acting like we do in the first place. And so to show you what I mean, we're going to start with a story of the first main group of them. And who here has ever watched the show Everybody Loves Raymond? Right? Am I dating myself a little bit? It was a really big deal. It was a weird show in that when it was on, it was by far and away the biggest show on television, and it just kind of didn't age at all to the point where I, I asked some people, like, hey, do you remember that show? No, like, blank face. Like, routinely pulling in 20 million a day, like at night, but for some reason, just didn't age. But there was a wonderful moment in it, and I think you'll probably, some of you remember this one. And what it was is the whole gist of the show is, is that Raymond and Deborah, they're married, and then they moved in next to Raymond's parents so they could have help with the kids and all of the hilarity that ensues from in-laws. That's the point of the show. And they are talking in this episode about, I want to say, Christmas, one of those traditions, something like that. 
And Deborah's like, why is it that we always do things this particular way? Why is it that we always act in this one way at Christmas? Why is it that whatever the tradition was? And Ray's answer is, well, because that's what we've always done. That's what we always do. It's tradition. It's family tradition. That's how Christmas is done, let's say. To which Deborah decides to tell a story. And the story goes that... You know how I always make lasagna in a bit of a weird way? I always make it in half the pan. The pan's maybe a 9 by 13, something like that. I always always make it in a half of it. Why do I do that? And Ray's like, I don't know. That is kind of weird. And Deborah's like, well, I wanted to know why it is. I was taught how to make lasagna by my mom, and so I asked her, why is it that I make it like that? And her mom's like, well, I don't know. That's how I was taught to make it. Ask your grandmother. So Deborah goes to her grandmother, Grandmother, why is it that you make it like this? And her grandmother is like, well, I don't know. Ask her great-grandmother. Deborah is lucky. Her great-grandmother is still alive in the home. She goes to her great-grandmother in the home. Grandmother, why is it that you always make your lasagna using only half the pan? We have this big old 9 by 13. Why is it that you always make your lasagna using only half the pan? And her great-grandmother kind of looked at her a bit puzzled, and she answers back, I don't know what you mean. The pan that I used to make lasagna was half that size. (laughs) That was why. That was why she always made lasagna like that. Because three generations ago, there was a very good reason why. But as time went on, that reason kind of got lost, kind of got forgotten. And this is a way of explaining this, this phenomenon about very good reasons over time you lose the why. That explains an awful lot of things that we do today. That explains an awful lot of things that we do in our day-to-day. Here's another example. Right now, all of the teachers uh, are busily getting ready to go back to work in only a few short weeks because summer vacation is almost done. Why is it that we have summer vacation from school? Who knows? Chances are a number of you are saying something in your mind like, well, because of the farmers, we need to help out with harvest. Hey, farmers, how much of the harvest do you actually do in August as compared to September or August? (laughs) Well, that's true. It depends on the year. And you definitely are doing some harvest in August, don't get me wrong. But that isn't actually why. Again, if you were going to have summer vacation to help with the harvest, then you would go a bit later into the year. The reason why we have summer vacation when we do is because, uh, say, 150, 200 years ago, we have these big stone monoliths of schools, and it gets to be 100 degrees in summer in there, and they didn't have air conditioning. That's why. There is plenty of articles written from the time when we first established uh, the difference, like, the school cycle, and that, that was why. A number of you who taught in like one-room school buildings back in the day without air conditioning will remember this fondly, I suspect, about how hot it could get in there. Same with how cold it could get in the winter. It was either we do this, have summer vacation, or we become comfortable with the fact that every year there's going to be a number of kids that get heat stroke. Thankfully, they decided the way they did. There's a number of things that work like that. In our faith, in particular, there are a ton of things that work like that. Where there was 
incredibly good reasons that we decided to do that only a couple generations ago. And now here we are a few generations later and maybe the reasons are still there, just not as prevalent. And so it begins to look like, why do we do this, right? It doesn't make sense. Why is it that Mennonites don't dance? Why is it that Mennonites don't drink? This is what I'm going to tell you, a fun bit of history. I think often we feel that the scourge of alcohol that is around us is something that is still very alive and present. And it is. It very much so is for a lot of people. And so keep that in mind, that this is still a problem with a lot of people. And so keep that in mind with what I'm about to say. Today in North America, the average amount of alcohol that is consumed a year by the average American is about 2.3 gallons, which is a lot. Do you want to know and take a guess at how much it was in 1830? Seven. Seven gallons of alcohol was consumed a year by the average American in 1830. You might notice when you go through your Bible that there are plenty of stories of Jesus and the disciples drinking. There is the story of Jesus famously turning water into wine. And you can't really get from the Bible this understanding that drinking is truly evil because Jesus himself, right? And all throughout the history of the church, that is also very true. Because for most of church history, then beer is just kind of something that happens. The reason why is because cholera is also something that happens. And to make beer, you need to boil water. They don't understand why cholera works. They just know that those that drink more beer than water don't die. And so the history of beer is intertwined with the history of the church, to the point where most of the old breweries in Europe are all tied to a monastery of some sort or the other. But then you get to the 19th century. The rate of alcohol consumption shoots up to the point where it isn't just something that is done anymore. Seven gallons a year. And along with that, the rates of domestic abuse skyrocket. Along with that, the rates of homelessness and losing your money skyrocket. The rates of drunken disorderlies skyrocket. And so how do you, as the church, live out this need to love your brother? Live out this need to love your neighbor as yourself? How do you live that out? How do you say that I love you? and continue to perpetuate, continue to be a part of that. And so, what you got was temperance, largely out of the church. What you get from out of that is AA, largely out of the church is where that comes from. What you get is this candle on the hill that says, there is another way. But then, as happens, the generations go by. And while there are certainly a lot of people for whom alcoholism is a real and horrific thing, it isn't 
the same scourge that it was then. And so for a number of younger believers that didn't grow up with that, they look at their Bible and see Jesus drank. So why is it that we say this is something Christians do when clearly our Bible doesn't say that? And they say it because they didn't grow up with that. They don't have that history to show them the why in the first place. There are a lot of things in our faith that fit into that. Whereas time goes by, the reasons why it is that we do the things that we do kind of become lost to us in the mist of time. And for us pietistic people, where we believe it is truly important that as people following Christ that we live the right way, where we try our best to live as he taught us in every last bit, we often get an awful lot of what that means about how we should live in these ways from the Bible, yes, but also from tradition, also from what our parents taught us, from what the church teaches us, from what our grandparents taught to our parents, and so on and so forth. But you don't necessarily get the reason and so what are you left with? What you get left with is after a certain amount of time, a lot of the Christian things that we feel that we are supposed to do, that we're taught we are supposed to do, just kind of don't make sense to us because we lost the reason why. But we know we're supposed to do them. They're the Christian thing to do. And that has a real impact on our faith because... What that does is that if we feel as Christians we're supposed to act like this, 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 and this, but we don't actually have the reasons why we act like that in the first place, that impacts how we see God. Because as Christians, we believe that we act as God teaches us to act, right? And we do. And the problem is, is that when we can't make sense of the reasons we act in the ways that we do, then God becomes strange to us. God becomes somebody that demands that we act in these particular ways that don't make sense. God becomes legalistic, but in a way that is nonsensical. And I ask you, if you have a friend that demands every time that you get together, you do these things that make no sense. How close are you actually going to be with that friend? Right? How close could you ever be with a friend that demanded that you did things that made no sense to you? When it comes to following God, in our traditions in particular, this is one of the big reasons that we can feel distant from God. Because the cycle happens, right? We feel that the Lord is moving in us and we feel super excited. And so how is it that we live that out? We decide to double down, triple down on living out our faith. And then we fall into this cycle of we don't understand why it is that our faith calls us to act in this way. And so then as we double down, triple down, we feel more distant from God. And then God talks to us again later and we feel it again and then we live again and that drags us farther away 
And it's just frustrating and can be infuriating. So what do you do if this describes you? What do you do if you can't make sense of what it means to live as a Christian in your life? Well, here is my suggestion, and it comes hard fought because this is a personal sermon to me, and this is what I found was useful. You learn the why. There's literally nothing that the church does that doesn't have a history to it. Literally nothing that we do that doesn't have a history that is sometimes generations old. And the more time that you spend in learning the why, why is it that we have communion in a certain way? Why is it that we do baptisms like we do? Why is it that our tradition has such hesitancies with drinking or going out to dance or anything like that? The more you learn why, I find the more the faith makes sense. Because there are reasons for all of these things, even if those reasons are generations removed for us. There are reasons that are tied to the love of our God, like with temperance and the issues around alcohol, right? How could we live out a love for our God and not act in that way, right? You can see the history of the church striving towards God with everything that it is the more that you learn about why. And we live in an age where it's easier to find out about why than ever. There is the internet. There are libraries. There's knocking on my door and borrowing one of the books. I have a number on these things. From my love of history, I suspect you knew that. I have found personally that the more I learned about the traditions that I came from, the more I saw a history of a people struggling through impossible things always toward God. And there's something absolutely inspiring about seeing my, my grandparents or my great-grandparents or my great-great-grandparents. And if you are a Mennonite like I am, you have books going back long time, and seeing that history of always turning back, right? It's inspiring. It is wonderful. And of course, they will find some things where the reasons that we do them today were based in things that truly make no sense and didn't really even then. In which case, well then you know what's safe to parse, right? But until you know the reason why we do certain things, then to cut it out of your life completely is just to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That is not something that ever really truly finds us too far ahead in the end. So that is one of the big things that particularly in our traditions can make us feel distant from God. The fact that we can find ourselves as Christians are supposed to act, always doing this, 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 and this, 
and not knowing how it is that that relates to God in the slightest. And then God becomes legalistic and God becomes nonsensical and God becomes someone we don't want to be close to in the first place and so we aren't. The other major things that relate to that also have to do with why it is that we can come to see the ways that we are called to act as Christians as making no sense. And they are also very connected to our traditions. Our traditions that have a long history of because we are trying to act in the right Christian way, finding that the easiest way to do that is to separate ourselves from the worldly because they just tempt us to do terrible things. And when we do that, a weird thing happens where the worldly become more and more evil in our eyes to the point where it is us who are living on a hill being that righteous example of what a Christian can be and then there is the whole world that is looking to destroy us because they are from the devil. You can't hold to that understanding of what the world is and truly love God. It's not possible. It's not possible because God doesn't hold to that understanding of the world. When you open your Bibles, you are absolutely met from page to page about a God that loves the world that he has made, about a God who loves the people in it. He loves the people in it so much that he comes to die for them. Does that sound like a God that is truly fearful of the people around us? Does that sound like a God that is truly wants nothing to do with them because he makes their walk harder, right? What do we see when we look into the Gospels of Jesus Christ? We see that there is the story of the alabaster jar. Jesus is hanging out with prostitutes. We see that his group are people that have turned away from their old ways that everyone considered down and degrading, right? Jesus was there in the thick of it with everybody because he loved them. And in our traditions in particular, it is just so easy to learn to hate. So easy to learn to see everybody as nothing more than people that are trying to separate us from the love of God. When in reality, that love of God isn't just for us, it's for everyone. And that has an impact in how we see how we live, doesn't it? If you see all of the people around you as not worth anything, and more terribly, as effectively bad, effectively trying to lure you away from God, hey, hi. There you go. If you see people like that, if you see the world like that, as disposable, as something that is not worth anything, then, I mean, why is it that you would ever try to spread the gospel to it in the first place? The good news of our Lord that has come to save the creation, save the people that he's made, right? If you don't think that those people are worth saving, then that impacts how it is that you see the Christian life and it impacts how 
you live it out. As Christians, we are called to live that love of God, to reflect it to everyone around us. And if we don't understand the love of God, then how impactful can we actually be in that, right? And this is another thing that the church has a long and storied history with being able to deal with. I actually get a bit of a kick out of how this one has been dealt with in particular, learning to love, learn the love of God. Because it's actually fearfully simple. Start a garden. Creation cares what it's called. Straight from the beginning of the Bible, what's the first thing that we hear that God truly loves, truly made? And it's, he made creation. He said it was good. And then, how do we fit into that? We are the pinnacle of creation, made in his image to look after it. He loves all of that creation, right? And so if you learn to love creation, then you can also learn just what it means to love each other. The church kind of has a long history in that, and it's been terribly useful. So you start a garden, or you go in a walk through a forest somewhere in a park. You begin to look at all of the intricacies of the world that our Lord has made, and the more that you do that, the more that you see the details in it, the more that you see the details of a God that didn't just do this and then go on, but instead spent every ounce of his love to bring it to being. Do that. Learn to love the world around you. And then once you have that down, then suddenly it becomes even easier to love your neighbor as yourself because you begin to see that they too are made in the image of God. They too are creations of our God. They too are loved by our God in the same way that we are loved by our God. And then suddenly our faith makes sense. Suddenly the reasons we act the way that we do make sense. Suddenly some of the ways that we have acted in the past that go against that with everything you realize that they maybe weren't from the Lord to begin with. But suddenly, the more you learn to love your neighbor, the more you learn to love the world our God has made, the more God makes sense. The more you will find yourself closer to him. Today we talked about reasons we can feel distant from God that are truly impactful for our traditions. I'd encourage you to spend time in these if you find that this is what you have been suffering with, just the faith not making sense. Learn the reasons why we do things. Learn the reasons why God loves. The more you do that, the more you will feel God closer to you as a result. Because we can all be friends with people we understand. Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God from whom 
Once again, the deacons are going to be up here after the service. If there's anything that you feel that you want prayed for, anything that you want to share. And tonight at 7 p.m., there is going to be a bonfire behind the church. I look forward to seeing you there. For our benediction, we turn to 2 Corinthians. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go now and serve our God. Praise God from...